Will you pray with me? Yes, Lord, we praise your magnificent name because when we were sinking in our sin, you were the one who reached down and lifted us and put our feet on a rock so that we might be strong and firm and stand for you. And so, Lord, we offer you our worship today. We sing not only from our hearts, not only from our mouths, but also with our souls this morning. We sing because you are our Lord, you are the lover of our souls, you are the one who lifts us. And if in this great room this morning there is someone who is low, I pray, Lord, by your grace, that you would lift their countenance, that we might lift our eyes to you, Lord, and know that you are our only hope. Hope thou in God. For we will yet praise you because you are the health of our countenance and our God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is good. All the time. Amen. I think we've had church already this morning, haven't we? Great music, great Great worship, I'm grateful. I left you last week with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Would you commit that to memory with me in these days? It's a great, a great verse. It says, let us hold unswervingly, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because he who promised is faithful. What oxygen is to the lungs, so hope is to our souls. I don't think we understand what hope is. I think we think that hope is some nebulous, vague kind of wish that we have no reasonable thought of ever seeing take place. But that is not hope in the Scriptures. Hope is confident expectation. It's not just a possibility or a probability It's a certainty. And this morning, I want us to walk into the Hall of Fame of Hope. Now, if I want to do the Hall of Fame of Faith, we just all open to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, and it would all be listed there for us. But we're going to have to work a little bit harder in these weeks to find and construct a Hall of Fame of Hope. But if we were walking in, we might overhear the conversation between two octogenarians, two men in their 80s who... We're talking about the way God had worked in their lives. I remember some years ago, one of my brothers and I, we were probably in our 30s at the time, and we were jogging through the streets of Temple, Texas. His wife came from Temple, and my wife came from Temple. They knew each other. They grew up together in the same church. And so we were jogging up and down those hills, and we went by, no kidding, a retirement home. And there were two men who looked for all the world like brothers, Yeah, you can just look and kind of tell these guys are probably related. And one of them was sitting in a wheelchair and the other one was pushing him. Here are my brother and I and we're just jogging by. And he kind of gets that sort of gleam in his eye and he looks at me and he says, that's probably us in 50 years. I said, yeah, probably so. But I'm the one who's pushing and you're the one who's riding. I just want to get that clear right now. Well, hope is a confident expectation, and all of us want to finish well. We want on December 31st of 2010 to say, we finished strong. But I'm telling you this morning, the way we start 
will have everything to do with the way we finish. So let's start well. Let's start this year of hope with hope. Would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 14, verses 6 through 15. We'll be in Joshua again tonight in our chapel series. We're uh, teaching every book of the Bible, one sermon from each book, and we're in Joshua tonight. So I won't capture all of Joshua this morning, but I want to look at just one vignette. And would you stand with me as we read God's Word? God has something to say to us today. We don't want to miss it. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6, hold on to hope. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report According to my convictions, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for. 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me. I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Thank you. You may be seated. Remember in the book of Numbers, when God was about to give His people the land that He had promised them and He had, he had already led them, as a friend of mine loves to say, He had already led them from a mighty long way and He brought them there to the, to the brink, right to the edge. They were just about to get all that was coming to them and there they just sent out the twelve spies so that they could think logistically and strategically, not about whether they were going to go into the land, but about exactly how they were going to receive it. And there they stood, and there they went out into the land, and you remember the story, 86, 83.3%, 10 out of the 12 came back and said, there is no way that we will ever have what God told us we will have. Now that's what they said. I mean, it's a longer story, but I'm simplifying it this morning. 83.3% said, and they were, I mean, not just, they were a super majority, and they said, we can't do it. And I, I was just wondering if anybody here this morning remembers any of their names. 
I know you could look it up in Numbers 13 and 14, but does anybody from memory remember any of the names of those ten? Because for the life of me, I can't recall one of them. But if you ask me, who were the 16.6%? Who were the two out of the twelve who said, God will give us what he says he will give us? I would say, well, that's easy. Joshua and Caleb. Wonder why we remember their names. I'll tell you, they lived a lot longer than the other ten. In fact, while the other ten and all the people of their generation were falling like flies in the desert, Joshua and Caleb were going, as the psalmist says, from strength to strength. I know this is a silly question, but which of these two groups would you like to be in? You want to be in the ones that live or the ones that die. It's a simple kind of choice, but I'm just asking. It, it would seem to be no choice at all. But to this day, there are still people who hear the great promises of God's salvation and say, yeah, not for me. And there are those who say, I can't live without that. I can't live without God. And so they do Live. I remember a speech years ago in some political convention where a great orator stood and proclaimed again and again and repeated this refrain. You might remember it. Keep hope alive. But I came this morning to say it's actually sort of the opposite of that. I'm not sure you and I, if we mustered our mass resources, could for one second keep hope alive. But I'll tell you about hope. It will keep you alive. It kept Caleb alive. When everybody else was dying, Caleb was living because he held on to hope. And in faithfulness of God, he trusted and he realized that God was faithful even if nobody else was was faithful. If everybody else had lost their faith, God was full of faith, faithful. And so he could put his hope and his trust in God. And so... By the way, can we? I, it's easier to go with the flow, to go along, to get along. I know it's easier, but God didn't call us to do the easy thing. God called us to do the right thing. And the right thing is to trust Him, to put our hope in Him, to hold on with a, a vice grip to the hope, to the promises that God has made because He alone is faithful. Let's think about hopeful people this morning. Maybe we'll become hopeful even as we think about them. Hopeful people are, are those who uh, remain true to their convictions. I see it in the story of Caleb when, when he says, uh, just in this conversation, you remember? You remember Joshua? You remember what Moses said to us? You remember? And, and I I went down into the land with you. We were there and we came back and we were the minority report. But at least we spoke according to our convictions. You know what that is in Hebrew? It is according to all my heart. He said, the report I brought back was the one that was all my heart. On the other hand, I want you to see how contagious fear can be. The other ones, he said, not only were they hopeless, but hopeless people can't be happy until everybody else is hopeless. And so they, uh, they had this contagious hopelessness and they, they caused the hearts of the rest of the people to melt with fear. There are two clear contrasting ways of living life. The one is to say, I will live by fear. 
and you hear it in the majority opinion and they, they come and they say, there's just no way. There's, not even God can give us what God says He can give us. And, and they looked at the giants compared to themselves and the giants were so big and they said, these, these, they're these great giants and there's little us and that's all that they could see. And you and I know people like that. We can be people like that if we're not careful. People who see the obstacles to God's will for our lives and for our world and say, now that one is insurmountable. I can't overcome that. There is no way. And it's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous way to live. If you think you can't, you won't. If you say it can't be done, it won't be done. But soon or late, the ones who win are those who say, with God's strength, I can. Those are the ones who win the battles of life. And we see it in Caleb's life. We see it in Joshua's life. And, and you, just see, you just see Caleb and Caleb saying, you know what, you see giants and little you. You see great giants and little you, but I see great God and little giants. It's just a matter of, of the comparison you make. And, and he, he recognizes that God is greater and and as Martin Luther said, that one plus God is a majority. And Caleb doesn't mind if he has to stand alone as long as he's standing with God. Because if he's standing with God, he's not standing alone. And this is the way God wants us to live with that confidence not in ourselves. I'll, I'll tell you about this instinct for self-preservation. I mean, it's all over the Israelites, but their instinct for self-preservation led them to self-destruction. On the other hand, this trust in God led Caleb to live. Hope kept him alive because he remained true to his conviction. I'm just envisioning a day. Am I, am I, am I off the, the chart when I say this? I'm envisioning a day when somebody somewhere in our great country, I hope I'm wrong, but somebody somewhere someday is going to take a vote on whether or not sin is right or wrong. And they may vote that sin is okay and that godliness is wrong. They may vote that, but on that day, they won't be right. Because right is right, though all the world says it's wrong. And wrong is wrong, though all the world says it's right. And you and I, I, I got, maybe you got this email too, but a, a powerful article where a gentleman was just saying, you know, you have all these polls and they decide what's right and what's wrong and what may be wrong for you, might be right for me and all of that and all these polls and all these surveys and all that. He said, you know, I just want to, I want somebody to do a poll and just ask the question, is America more vulgar than it was 50 years ago? Are we more coarse than we were 50 years ago? Do we talk a lot about insen insensitivity and then we, we act insensitively to other people? I wonder if they did a survey, if we could be honest enough to say that the deterioration in our culture in the last year is not primarily economic, but characterological. It's not about money. It's never been about money. But it's about living what is right and remaining true to our convictions. And I know men and women who years ago decided that right was right and they've been living right ever since. And I know people, you know, let me just tell you about, about great people. They're not really complicated because great people simplify life by simply saying what is God's will and then they do it. And I also know that, that the people who are complicated are, are those who say, you know, well, this might be right, but this, you know, this might be, I just don't know what's right. 
Life doesn't have to be complicated. Remain true to your convictions. I, I think about those of you who 50 years ago said, this is right and I will live this way. And, and here we are, walking for God. I think about us who've made mistakes and, and have found God's grace and who say, now I will live for God and have found His grace to remain strong for Him. I challenge you as God's people, remain true. Hopeful people do that. Hopeful people are those who, as we see in this passage, they remain true to their convictions. And hopeful people are those who remember God's promises. Listen to what he says, uh, this little conversation. He says, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God. And he begins to recount this promise. I was 40 years old. Remember when 40 sounded old? I remember that. Uh, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. Kadesh Barnea was going to be the launching pad. It was the diving board into God's promises. But it became a place of reproach and shame because the people of God refused to take the leap of faith. And he says, I brought back the report, but my brothers made the the people's hearts. But I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Why? Why? Well, Moses told him he was going to receive the land and that it would belong to him So on that day when Moses said that to me, he says, and then notice in verse 10, he says, what Moses said to me was not just Moses' promise. Moses wasn't just speaking. It was the Lord's promise. You and I know people who speak what God says to them and speak that truth into our lives. I think about our Sunday school teachers here at Tallowood. I've prayed for you today that like Samuel, your words will not fall to the ground. That when you speak God's truth into God's people's lives, that good things will happen. That we will make right choices because we have heard the truth. And truth is not up for a, a vote. It's not a matter of majority opinion it's a matter of God's opinion and and they say um, now then just as the Lord promised he's kept me alive how did he stay alive whenever God kept him alive and God kept him strong and vigorous so that he could do everything that God had called him to do you'll have the strength to do what God wants you to do you can count on that you can you can bank on that you'll have the strength to do what God wants you to do and in God's strength, it's not self-reliance, it's, it's God-reliance. He says, I, I'm going to do something about what God has called me to do. And he remembers God's promises. Are you with me when I say I forget so many things? I think sometimes about the things I've forgotten. I can't remember what they are, but I know there are things I used to know that I don't know anymore. And it's sort of bothersome. I, I think about Leonard and Margaret, you know, who who had been married so long and they'd come to the place that if they want to remember something, they had to write it down. They each had this little pad and they wrote it down, you know. And uh, one night Margaret said to Leonard, I'd really like some ice cream. And Leonard said, I'll go get it for you. And she said, you better write it down. He said, how hard can it be to remember ice cream? He was gone for 20 minutes. He came back with a tray, steaming scrambled eggs and oatmeal and coffee And she looked at him and said, didn't I tell you to write it down? You forgot the toast. I mean, both of them had problems (laughs) remembering. And I I forget many things, but whatever we forget, let's remember what God has promised us. The reason Caleb could live is because he knew God had made a promise and that it wasn't going to be taken away from him. And he held on to that promise. Now let me ask you this morning, what has God promised you? Well, hold on to that. 
Whatever God has promised you, you hold on to that. It's God who said upon this rock of faith, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to keep us out. We will go on the offensive against evil in this world. We will start taking the wrong and setting it right. Jesus promised that. I'm not just making that up. This is not Pollyanna optimism. It's God who tells us in His Word that He is working all things together for good. For those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. I know that's Caleb. I was wondering, is that you? Do you love Him? Are you called according to His purpose? Well, then He's working all things. You mean the bad? Yeah, the bad and the good. He synergizes them for good in our lives. It's He who said, if God is for you, who can be against you? It's He who said that nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this book is just filled with promises from God. I've just been quoting from one chapter. And God makes all these promises. And I invite you this week, this year, to read the promises of God and to take them to heart as Caleb did and discover that hopeful people are those who remain true to their convictions in a world that's gone crazy. Hopeful people are those who um, remember God's promises and hopeful people are those who are willing to risk in order to receive God's greater reward. I love about Caleb that he's not living in the past. He says three times in this passage, now. Now, he says, give me this mountain. Some translations say, give me this hill country because it's bigger than one mountain. Give it to me. I know the Anakim, the Anakites, the descendants of Arba, the, the granddaddy giant, are still in the land and they're big fortified cities, but as big as they are, my God is bigger and I'd really like, they're just lining up to apportion the land and he says, before you give anybody their land, just remember, the hardest part belongs to me. I'm 85 years old and I am as strong as God needs for me to be to do everything God has called me to do. And so I want to claim this mountain for God. There's got to be some risk involved in that. What, what giants are there? Well, in chapter 15, we read there's still three of them right there in the city of Hebron. But that bothered Caleb. Does it ever bother you that things are wrong in our world? It bothered Caleb that there were giants living in the very land, the only land, by the way, that Abraham ever owned. The cave of Machpelah where, where Abraham and, and Sarah and, and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and who? Leah. They were buried there, and that was a holy place and had a holy heritage. And here they are calling it Kiriath Arba, naming it for some giant. And that didn't set well with Caleb. And he said, I've got to do something about that. And he's willing to risk. It's never too late to take a risk for God. Think about that. 80 may be the new 40. I don't know. It seems to me it is. And I thought this week about S.L. Potter, that La Mesa, California resident who on his 100th birthday went to Thrill Seekers Unlimited in Las Vegas so that he could bungee jump for the first time. His kids came with him to try to stop him. They were aged 68 to 74. You know, they, and they said, we cannot let you do this. We will not let you do this. He said, watch me. And he bungee jumped 210 feet. And when, and when they disconnected him and, and put his feet on the ground, you know what the first thing he said was? Now give me my teeth. (laughs) Well, that's not what Caleb says. Caleb says, give me this mountain. 
I, I claim that that mountain right there, the hardest one, that belongs to me. And he's willing to take that risk because he receives God's greater reward. And what is the reward? Well, he changes the place. Because when Caleb is done, they no longer call it Kiriath Arba. And there are no giants to be found. But Caleb is all over the place. You can find him. Route 1 Hebron today, Joshua says when he writes the book. You can still find him. He still lives there. And his descendants live there because... God gave it to him. Why? Because he followed the Lord his God wholeheartedly. Did you think hope was passive? No, hope is active. When we believe the right things, we do the right things. And Caleb does what God calls him to do. And I just thought when I read this this week, I just thought, I am surrounded by Caleb's. I, I get to be pastor of a bunch of Caleb's. People who've been serving God for so long, they can't remember when they didn't serve the Lord. People who just love him with their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. That's all they've got, and that's all they give. With all of their all, they love God. I think of Barbara J. serving us. I mean, next to Jesus, does anybody say, come for all things are now ready better than Barbara J.? Anybody? I don't think so. I, I think of uh, Bud Hudgens and missions. Wow. Wow. I, I think of great uh, Georgian novice Brunner and, and Thanksgiving. And I give thanks. I could go on. We don't have time for me to go on. But I, I'm just telling you, I'm surrounded by people. I got, I got an email this morning from my father-in-law. He wouldn't mind me telling you. He's 78 years old now. And uh, he sent me an email this morning that he got uh, earlier this week. And it's from a friend of his who said, you know, we used to live in Houston. And uh, back in 1983, uh, my husband needed a liver transplant. And they shipped, shipped us off to Pittsburgh with the oil industry and uh, we moved off to Pittsburgh, and there in the mail in Pittsburgh from Houston, we received, she said, I opened up a box this weekend, I found these yellow cards, and they were folded up. And people at a church called Tallowood had prayed for my husband. She said names, she listed the names, she said Betty Schrade, signed her name. Walt Barkley, signed, they were praying for my husband. My husband received a liver transplant, he lived for another 17 and a half years. And I just wanted to tell somebody at that church. Did it make you want to go to the prayer room and pray? People who hope don't just wait for the world to change. You know, sitting around waiting for the world to change. No, they're out there changing the world. So Kiriath Arba is no longer Kiriath Arba. Arba is not on the map anymore because the giants aren't on the map anymore. Because Caleb did what God told him he could do. I'm just asking. I'm just saying. What did God tell you you could do? What did he promise you? Well, don't let go of that. Hold on to that. I think of little Frodo and Samwise Gamgee in, uh, in Tolkien's work, and Frodo ready to give up, and Samwise Gamgee, his friend, says, you've got you to gotta hang on. All the great people in all the stories, hung, they hung on. They, and Frodo said, you give me one reason to hang on. And Samwise Gamgee says, because there's good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. Well, there is, and it is, and it's never too late to do something great for God, but I'll tell you something else. It's not too early. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the power of your presence among your people. When we sing to you, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. When we read your word, you are really present in our lives And Lord, we don't want to be those who walk out of here in despair with the great hymns 
on our lips, looking at the world and saying, well, it doesn't match up, so we'll leave the hymns at the, at the door facing of the church. No, Lord, we want to take them with us into the world that you made because this is our Father's world, every inch of it, every millimeter of it, every part of it, every molecule, every atom cries out, Jesus Christ is Lord. And because this world is yours and we are yours, Lord, we would really like to attempt something great for you because we expect something great from you. Because we are people who hope in you. And you've given us every reason in Jesus Christ to hope. And because Christ is in us as the hope of glory, we will not let go of our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.